Now listen, you bird brains. If you're gonna keep your jobs, you gotta get hip. I know all about it, see? Scanners detecting more trouble in Sector 9. No doubt it's the work of that nefarious criminal, the sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance, the evil Emperor Zerg. Remember, life's an adventure with new horizons every day. And that, my friends, is a reason to celebrate. By now, we're all communicating from anywhere on Earth. And in 1969, from somewhere else. Okay, penguins. Okay, penguins. Into the theater. We have to rehearse. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 638, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between here on the podcast as well as our weekly live video conversations on Facebook every Wednesday night, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find everything else at www.radio.com. So this week, we're going to continue our journey with Jim Corcus through the secrets, stories, history, and hidden treasures of the Walt Disney World resorts. We're going to visit some of Walt Disney World's earliest resorts, as well as some that were never built that you might not have known about. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, Another very merry special event coming next fall. Your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Well, we didn't talk about our list ahead of time, nor what we were going to discuss or the order was going to be, but I'm inspired by you taking us to the Polynesian, and I will continue along our journey of the secrets and stories of the Poly, because one of the things I've loved about that resort, and as somebody who visited with my parents every year going back to 71, we used to stay there a lot, was and is the amount of watercraft and waves that you could participate Mm. in while at the Polynesian. And you may have heard tales and legends of things like the bob around boats, which were somewhat mythical in their own right. The, the Polynesian Mm -hmm. war canoe, what you might not have known is the story of the Chinese junk known as the Eastern winds, which Yes, it's cool that it was built in Hong Kong in 1964. Even cooler was that it was an it was a floating cocktail lounge that ran for about seven years that you could charter out. And there was a crew, there was a pilot and a deckhand, but it also had uh, a bar on board and a full galley. So you could go out and have a meal or snacks. And there was a, a waitress there as well. Part of the th- fun of that story too is that after the eastern winds set its final sail around 1978 there were stories about where it went after and from what i understand 
it was purchased at one point by Joe Namath, the former that, I guarantee that, that was, quarterback. That, that was my understanding as well. Yes, I did a. Um, I wrote an article. This is back in two thousand nine about the Eastern Winds with some photographs of. Um, uh, some articles about it, as well as scans of um, some of the booking information you can get. So if you go to www.radio.com slash Eastern Winds, you can read the article and check some of those things out. But you can't talk about the Polynesian and water without talking about Dick Nunes and his legendary <laughs> half a million dollar wave machine experiment gone awry so dick nunes was Mm -hmm. back in 71 he started back in disneyland he was executive vp of walt disney world he was a water guy he was a surfer himself and he wanted to have surf lessons surf competitions surf experiences in walt disney world and he installed this like 400 500 wave machine on the west Mm -hmm. side of the island just out in front of the Polynesian beach that never really worked right. It created waves and and they wanted that, but it was, and there was a lot of different problems, right, Jim? Like it was eroding the beach. It was breaking down all the time. It had these scuba divers trying to go and and fix it. Yeah. And, 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 and again, the reason why Nunes was able to, um, uh, sell that to, uh, to the Disney company is he pitched it as you could have surfing competitions out there, just like you had the golf competitions, you would have the surfing competitions, you know, uh, uh, for that to happen. But, but yeah, what one plus, and, and it actually, it's, it's still out there to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. It's and not, it, it's not operating. It, it's a coral reef now for, uh, uh, for fish, but, uh, it's still out there. Yeah, some there were some years and years ago. I when I used to take out, uh, I would take out one of the little water mice, um, and I would try. You mm-hmm. can't get too close. You can't get close to Beachcomber Island um, at, at all anymore. But one of the things, two things they think they're interesting is that he really wanted this. Like, he, didn't he try and get a? Um, didn't he try and put a surf machine or wanted one over at River Country? Obviously, we eventually got sort of that the large yes. machine at Typhoon Lagoon. But he was really trying to get this same type of experience elsewhere at the resorts or at the water parks. Right, and and in fact, it's it's referenced on his window on Main Street, which I don't know if, if you is, take a look. I don't know if that's a little bit of a dig. I'm not sure. I think it is a dig. I think it is a dig. Because doesn't it? It says like waves. Wave machines are my specialty, or wave machines. Yes, yes. But 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 again, he 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 got he got it to to work at at Typhoon Lagoon, and 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 again at uh, uh, you know nomenclature is so important to Disney. Um, At Typhoon Lagoon. Technically, it is not classified as a wave pool, but as a surf pool. And, um, you know, just a little bit of trivia there. And, uh, you know, you've talked with Sully Sullivan uh, as well, and and he told me that he and his son went out and did surfing out there. That that when when the surf thing worked at Polynesian, 
it worked. It, it, it was great. But it, but there were all those other uh, unforeseen consequences. And, um, you know, it, 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 apparently it, it even uh, disturbs some of the uh, um, marine life. Anyway, there was a long list of things that, this is why this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, yeah. and and I will apologize right here, right now to poor Dick Nunes, because as somebody who took surf lessons at Typhoon Lagoon, which is something that you could do, I guarantee it is me trying to get my fat butt on a surfboard is not what <laughs> Dick Nunes had in mind. <laughs> you know, and... By golly, I, I hope that uh, Nunes has written a book and locked it away in, um, you know, a safe deposit box or something, you know, to be published after his death because he had stories and experiences that nobody else ever had. And, and of course, everybody, uh, you know, had stories about Dick Nunes, yeah. you know. And he didn't but, do a, he didn't do a lot of after he left he didn't do a lot of interviews or anything he very much no no, himself. no no yeah. no no and, and 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 so the question was was he given some type of uh, golden parachute yeah. by Disney you know just keep your mouth shut and and you get these <laughs> medical benefits and this and that and the other or or whether it was um, that that he was just so livid. And we know he was, but so livid at being pushed out of uh, uh, the Disney company. You know, just like Marty Scalar, he he, he was made uh, uh, president of Rocks and Trees. You know, <laughs> so so wasn't invited to uh, uh, to meetings, uh, ideas that he was was uh, 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 pitching. You know, uh, wouldn't get an audience. And um, so eventually, you know, they were just pushed out. They just left. But but again, at the time, they were so prestigious that you, that you couldn't just get rid of them. You you had to make life so difficult that you know they they say I don't need to put up with any of this a- anymore. But uh, gosh, and and Nunes, what uh, what a character! And there were people who loved him, people who hated him. And, and I've, I've heard stories on, on both sides, but I, I also know that uh, Walt Disney World would never have opened in 1971 without um, yep. uh, Dick Nunes. And, uh, it, of course, I've heard him described as uh, the George Patton of Disney, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, but, but I've, I, I've also heard, um, you know, great kindnesses uh, that, that he did. I, I talked with a, uh, a waitress who uh, worked at the Contemporary when it opened, and she was so nervous, and Nunes was there with others, and she spilled something uh, on Nunes during a, a meal and then ran back to the kitchen in tears, figuring that, you know, her, uh, uh, you know, her Disney career was over. She would be fired, you know, that minute and all of that, and and Nunes came back there and calmed her down and said, look, everybody makes mistakes. This is fine. And, 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 and this can be washed out, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, one time he tried to, 
to get in during construction, and a, a security guard stopped him. And Nunes says, I, I've got to go. And, and he says, I need to see your ID. And he says, I'm Dick Nunes. And he says, I don't care who you are. I need to see your ID. <laughs> and, and, and Nunes didn't have his ID. And then when the word got back, he thought, that, that guy is gone. And Nunes went later with his ID to the guy and said, nope, you did the exact right thing. Thank you. Hmm. You know? So, so, so he wasn't, you know, uh, hugely uh, um, a bully or, or, or whatever. But, boy, he got things done. You know, which brings us to, as long as we're at the Polynesian, and, and I would like to say, too, that, that Lou was one of the first people to research uh, Eastern Wind and, and that what happened to it later, you know, it, I, I, I think for a while after Disney sold it, it, it still operated uh, somewhere, I, I, I want to say, you know, in, in the south of Florida or whatever, you I, know. I think uh, it's in... Uh, uh, I want to say Key West. I'm trying to remember because I did. I sort of followed up on it. Well, that's the south of Florida. No, no, it was was in the Virgin Islands. That's what it was in the Virgin Islands for some time. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know if it still exists or 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 not, but uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, and and again, yeah, people don't uh, don't remember that. But but as long as we're on the Polynesian, I I want to share one other. hidden treasure. And, and again, you know, when we talk about hidden treasures, oftentimes we talk about things, you know, I think some of the real hidden treasures at Disney are people. And for me, one of the biggest hidden treasure is Auntie Kauai. And if, and if you don't know uh, Kauai Brandt, um, nowadays you see her, um, uh, sitting in the lobby, you know, at, at a, at a table and she's quietly making, you know, the, these beautiful lays. And, um, you know, one time I, I just sat with her and, and talked with her as she was making a, a lay because she makes them, you know, for newlyweds or, you know, for special, okay. And she gave me the lay she was making. I was, I was blown away, not expected, you know, uh, at all. And what an interesting life uh, uh, she's led. You know, she, um, as a little girl, she lived in Pearl Harbor when the attack happened. And she, and she remembers uh, going up onto the roof with her brother, you know, to watch and her mother yelling at them to get back inside, you know. But she saw the attack on, on, on Pearl Harbor. And... Um, uh, she studied uh, 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 hula dancing and uh, studied the different dances, you know, from uh, Samoa and Tahiti and uh, uh, Tonga, Hawaii, all, all of that. And uh, uh, she performed them, and, you know, she, she had some recognition. Walt Disney himself, in the um, uh, mid-'60s, wanted her to come uh, to, uh, uh, Disneyland, uh, to perform at, uh, and, and to bring her troop and to perform at the, uh, uh, Tahitian Terrace in Disney. And boy, do I miss the Tahitian Terrace, but, um, you know, uh, 
she didn't want to come. She turned him down three times. And I, and I said, how could you do that? And she said, oh, he, he was very nice, and he was very nice when he asked it. She said, but I felt that if I left, I wouldn't come back, you know? And, and it, actually, that turned out to be true. Uh, she did leave and uh, uh, did the show at, at the Tahitian uh, uh, Terrace at uh, uh, Disneyland. And, and it was a fun show, too, because at, at one point, uh, what these beautiful uh, uh, dancers would do would be to, to, to pull up um, these old, overweight fathers from the audience and, and put a grass skirt on <laughs> bring them up on stage to teach them, you know, how to do the hula and, you know, to great amusement to, to the audience there. And, um, but it turned out to be true because she really didn't go back to Hawaii for, for decades. And then, uh, of course, uh, she was there in the, uh, the late, uh, sixties. Uh, and so when, uh, Walt Disney world opened, uh, Roy Disney wanted her to come and, um, be at the uh, uh, Polynesian. So uh, she and her husband uh, came out, and just like everybody who was brought out from Disneyland, they thought they were going to be out for maybe six months a year, you know, and they ended up being out there for decades. Um, but, uh, you know, she brought out all of these performers and, and did the, the uh, first uh, uh, Luau uh, show. And, um, you know, huge hit, huge hit. And, and, and it was, it was, uh, of great benefit to the Polynesian because everybody was eating in the Polynesian and, you know, there just wasn't enough room. So by having the Luau show, you could funnel people out to, to that. And, uh, you know, it, eventually they, uh, you talked about the war canoe, the, the show would start by war canoes coming from the islands in the seven seas lagoon to the beach and the performers would get out and, and, you know, perform there uh, on the beach. And then, you know, eventually it became more elaborate and eventually they, uh, uh, you know, had to, to literally build, build shelter, you know, because, uh, uh, of possible rain and things like that. And, uh, so nowadays, uh, she's, she's had legacy. She sits in the, uh, she's in her eighties. She, she sits, you know, in the table and she does that sharp as a whip, sharp as a whip. But what she also does is, uh, for, for kids is, uh, periodically, uh, uh, she'll stand up and she's still so limber she'll teach him how to do a little, uh, uh, hula movement. And in fact, uh, um, she has a, a, a school, you know, that, uh, that, uh, does that. And, uh, back in, uh, what was it? Uh, 2007, uh, she did finally, uh, return to Hawaii, uh, to receive a prestigious, um, uh, uh, Duke's uh, um, award for the individual who uh, exemplifies the finest traditions of Hawaii. Um, and, and so she finally 
got to see people she hadn't seen in 50 years, you know? Um, so my gosh, what, what a, what a wonderful treasure. What a wonderful, but again, often completely ignored, you know, people are, are, are rushing out to the, to the pool or rushing up to the monorail or rushing to eat. And what a fascinating, delightful woman, just absolutely uh, delightful. And, and I'm, uh, sad. I'm, I, I, I'm actually sad to say, Jim, that she actually passed. She actually passed away. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, she actually passed I away did not, not too know long that. ago. Um, right before, uh, and it's probably because of the timing, It was because it was right before COVID really started to hit and shut everything down. Oh, see, and I, I haven't been to the, the, the parks in, in well over a year. So, yeah, I, I haven't been back to the Polynesian. I am so sad, but... But what a wonderful life she lived. She was a fixture there for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she passed along her, her spirit and uh, uh, to so many, el- so many others who, who actually worked there. Well, well God bless her and, and, and thank her for everything she did. I agree. Um, and... So it's hard to make an awkward transition from, you know, the loss of of somebody like that. But who who did bring so much joy and so much culture and education to that resort um, in such a a, a beautiful way? But but we we celebrate that. We celebrate that. And and, and again, you know, I'll I'll bet there are other listeners out there who, like me, didn't know because I didn't see it anywhere out there. Well, and I think that a little bit of anti-Kauai will always be found at the Polynesian. Here's my awkward transition. Just as a little bit of something else will can still be found if you look hard enough at another resort. And I actually want to quickly touch on something that I bet a lot of people not only didn't know existed, but probably never had a chance to experience. And I know that a lot of people, you and me included, are... I wouldn't say I'm a train enthusiast, but I love the railroading experience. I love riding on trains. I love Walt's connection to trains mm-hmm. and the trains in Walt Disney World. And I bet that a lot of people didn't know that there was once another train at a resort oh. at Disney's <laughs> Fort Wilderness. Uh, in fact, yes, the the only resort that ever had an attraction because because you had to buy a ticket for it. So it's the only resort, only Disney resort that had an attraction. And it was one of those attractions that was part attraction. I mean, it really was. It was sort of part attraction, part conveyance, because it did take guests around the 700-plus acres of the resort, but only for about three years. There were four trains that operated uh, from about... 1974 when it officially opened through 1977 and there was this three and a half mile track that ran through all of Fort Wilderness but it, more importantly than than being a, a something to just ride and enjoy it was a way to get from the parking lot to Pioneer Hall which admittedly has to be better than you know having to get on buses i like going and renting a golf cart but you know there's a cost associated with that but instead of having to do the bus to hoop-de-doo you could hop on the train 
to hoop-de-doo. Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine, and I'll share photos in the show notes at www.radio.com slash 637. The train was twice the, uh, the, the, the track was so much longer than that at the Magic Kingdom. And the train mm-hmm. cars were open air, like the, like the Magic Kingdom ones that sort of right. looked like those those plantation locomotives that you'd find like um, like on the Dole Pineapple Plantation in, in, in the Hawaiian Islands. And they seated about 90 guests, um, but there were, there seemed to just always be issues. And I know that there's multiple stories and, and reasons given that the, the trains eventually went away. They had small fuel tanks and there was a lot of problems with the tracks because it's Florida and there's clay in the soil and and and, and 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 safety issues safety, and, right. yes. because because and, the, and, and and that the track was not laid by railroad people but was right. it was yeah it um to, to, to save time and money it was laid by you know uh people who worked at, at Disney and so it didn't take into account certain curves and and uh, uh, elevations and st- things like that, so th- the train would get stuck every now and then. Yeah, and they were smaller. They they were smaller gauge trains than mm-hmm. the Magic Kingdom ones, which could let them make some of those curves. But like you said, not only was the track not necessarily laid the right way, but it was very close and very accessible to guests. So I think that there was a, a, a legitimate safety concern because a guest could very easily walk bike, ride, fall, golf cart onto or near a track, and there would be a difficulty in, in stopping the train if right. need be. Um, the trains did and do sort of... And, and then there was also complaints about the noise, you know? And oh, and yeah. so they, they they eventually limited the time that the train would operate. But yeah, they, they, because the train has to blow the whistle at each crossing. That's what trains do. And and if that happens at six a.m. in the morning, you're not a happy camper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True, but um, after it closed, uh, there's that. It's actually interesting what happened after because after it closed, and we won't go too deep into this, but the 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 trains were were put away for a while until Michael Brogy, son of Roger Brogy, who was the co-founder of the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society. <laughs> found them mm-hmm. and eventually they were they were sold off uh one of them i know went to um um one of them went to to somewhere in uh orlando a couple were sold off to private um to private individuals uh one of them was actually used over at um uh two of them actually used over at pleasure island as ticket booths and one of them is still in the parking lot at typhoon lagoon Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, actually, if you go back to show number nine, like single digit show number nine from 2007, I have an interview with Michael Broger where we talk a lot in, in much you, more detail. You, 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 you must have been a baby back in those days. <laughs> show, show, show number nine must have been where, where you were just first starting to, to toddle out, right? I had training wheels on, on my microphone. Yeah, it was uh, very mm-hmm. old. So that 2000. So show number nine has to be like 2007, somewhere around there. Wow. Memories, memories. Yeah. And I never, I don't know if you ever rode them. I never had, I I never had a chance to ride on the Fort Wilderness. No, I, 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 I never had a chance uh, to ride them. They were, they were gone. And, uh, 
and and I think one of the engines was sold to, um, and a couple of cars were sold to uh, John Lasseter because he yeah. has a whole uh, backyard um, uh, railroad. But but again, you know, Dick Nunes was a big proponent uh, of, of the train, he and tried in, to in save fact, it, right? he, he tried to save it. He tried to save it several times. First off, when the uh, um, um, mine train through Nature's Wonderland at Disneyland closed, uh, he, he brought out the engines and the cars from there uh, to try and use on the track out here. But they, they were just too uh, small. They didn't have enough power to 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 do that. And then he tried to uh, um, get it going again when there was... Uh, uh, the plans for Buffalo Junction uh, out there at Fort Wilderness. And and so the train would have uh, uh, serviced not only Fort Wilderness, but Buffalo Junction and then Wilderness Lodge and then uh, curved back. And for those who don't know uh, Buffalo uh, Junction, I'm, I'm sure Lou has done a, uh, a show on it, but, but it would have been another resort. And the reason it was called Buffalo Junction, it was going to, have the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, uh, Wild West show from uh, Disneyland uh, Paris, and it was going to be a whole uh, western town, and the uh, bottom level would be shops and restaurants, and and the show, and then the upper levels would be um, uh, the resort rooms uh, for that to happen. But as long as we're on uh, uh, Fort Wilderness, now wait, you know, so just so you know, uh, I'm actually I, and Jim. Uh, I, I will tell you that in all the years of doing shows where I do top tens and ten best and list of ten, I normally yes. never actually do ten because I never keep track. I've actually been keeping track today. So keeping track, a pun not intended, um, this would be number nine. So this would be like, this is the one you bring it home, brother. This is this is your, your last <laughs> one. And then I'll have one more and maybe we'll hit a couple of honorable mentions along the way. Okay. Uh, as I said, uh, I love Fort Wilderness Resort and campground, you know, for the tricircle, the, uh, uh, ranch and gosh, ah! I should have <laughs> talked about the, the, the dragon calliope there, but uh, we'll do that in honorable mention. Uh, but a lot of things are, are missing like the, uh, lawnmower tree now and, and all of that. But, but a real hidden treasure that I think people miss is Crockett's Tavern. Mm. Um, which is a, 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 an extension of the uh, uh, Trails End uh, restaurant there. You know, Davy Crockett, for crying out loud, what could be more Disney than Davy Crockett? You know, and uh, so uh, this uh, Crockett's Tavern opened in uh, 1985. It's made out of natural wood and, and, and glass, and it it has indoor seating, but I, most people prefer just sitting outside on, on the oversized uh, uh, rocking uh, chairs there. Uh, but the uh, the guy who designed it, uh, Dale Moore, was a huge Davy Crockett fan. And so he included in there, you know, things like a small replica of the uh, Gully Wumper keelboat from the TV show and paintings of Fess Parker as Davy and... Buddy Ebsen is Georgie Russell, and there's a replica of Crockett's uh, old rifle, old Betsy, and, um, oh gosh, there's all sorts of things, including a, a, a real 
1843 portrait of the real Davy Crockett and a coonskin cap and letters and all that. Uh, but one of the real hidden treasures in there is a portrait of Andrew Jackson. And, and Davy Crockett served under Jackson during the uh, Indian Creek Wars. And uh, it, it was painted uh, by uh, Priscilla Russ, uh, who was a senior artist at Walt Disney World uh, Marketing. And she wanted to do, you know, dark brown uh, sepia tones, you know, to, to capture the sense of the the era and all of that, but but she tried acrylic, she tried watercolors, all of these, but couldn't get you know the right um, uh, uh, coloring, the right style, and 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 they kept fading, and you can't do that at Disney. You've got to do something that is going to take little maintenance, you know, is going to uh, keep staying there. So she finally came up with a solution, and she painted the portrait and the. The solution was mixing the paint with coffee grounds. Hmm. And so, so doing that, the, 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 the portrait has survived, and it, it's also survived the way that she wanted it uh, uh, to look, you know, to, to do that. But, but again, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are listeners who have eaten at Trail's End, but... Um, you know, Crockett's Tavern just seems to be that little annex there, and and it, and again, it it serves snacks and it serves some some drinks, but I I don't know whether people have really gone in there and taken a look at some of the uh, artifacts, uh, you know, uh, that are in there for crying out loud. But uh, and I chose that over one of my absolute favorites of all time, which is the Dragon Calliope. But but we'll get to that one of these days. So okay, Luke. We're going to definitely revisit this topic, I'm sure, in, in in other ways. And I will tell you, I love the, I love, love, love the fact that you brought that up because I, I think that first of all, I love the the character of of of, of David Crockett, and not I don't mean just the character, but the real historical American folk here. Actually, if you go back to show number one forty five. Back in 2009, I did an entire show called The Walt Disney World Character Connection of Davy Crockett and all of his connections to Walt Disney World. And I I was actually joined by one of the foremost experts on Davy Crockett who came in and and really helped sort of connect all the dots. So, again, that's show 145. But for my... How you know the numbers of all of these shows is beyond me. I, I, I have difficulty remembering my own phone number when people ask me. I never said I memorized them. I just Googled really quickly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had done a show. I just sort of forgot the number and, and forgot the year. Um, but for my to, – to sort of round out, right, we talked about – some of the early resort and gosh, Jim, like you, I mean, there's stories that I wish, you know, we could get to, to tell about, um, uh, from the beginning, because and, there, there, there there's so, so many. many, there's so many, but I want to, I want to end off with not the secrets of the resorts that we currently have, but some of the ones that were never built. Now we've talked mm. at length on multiple shows about the Asian and the Persian and the Venetian going back to show 91 with the lost resorts of the magic kingdom back on show 620, sorry, 632 and 633 
we talked about unrealized Walt Disney World attractions of the Disney decade and talked about things like the Alpine Hotel. You mentioned Wilderness Junction, the Kingdom Suites. So we talked about some of them, but there were actually a lot and, of And in fact, my, my book, my book, I'm promoting my book right now. My book has an entire chapter on all the Walt Disney World hotels never built. Starting with the Cosmopolitan, and and I have a picture of the Cosmopolitan on the front of the book. So, yeah, there you you go. Why do you think I'm ending with this one so we can segue into book promotion? I swear, this is all, it's all coming together. There's all a pattern. I love it when a plan comes together. Okay. (laughs) So, and I want people, and and the reason why, Jim, is because I want people to be able to read more about some of the things you share because... In addition, I think a lot of people have heard Asian, Persian, Venetian. We talked about some of the other ones. But going back to the late 60s when Disney had a a map of some of the proposed ideas of what might be around this, this phase one, remember, of Walt Disney World included things called a Cape Cod Village. The South Seas Skyscraper, which was sort of the early designs for the Polynesian, a frontier village, a Spanish colonial hotel, a Dutch hotel, an African hotel themed to Adventureland, an Oriental motel, and a Yesterday Hotel, which we'll get back Mm -hmm. to. But there was also, um, if if you look at the map, there was a roller rink or a roller dome and an yes. ice rink, a Persian palace, USA Disney, Venice Disney, Far East Disney, the Frontier Village. But there was also something called the Yesterday Hotel, which would have been located yes. inside Magic Kingdom. Where, Absolutely. Where the current... It, well, it, it, it's still there today. Right. I mean, it's sort of there. Um, you know, according to story, the Town Square Theater, which is one of the few buildings filled built to full scale to hide the contemporary looks like a hotel because that's where guests who were coming into the, this town via train would stay when they were walking through main street USA. But the idea, and it, and, and it was Dorothea Redmond, right, Jim, who sort of created that right, initial concept yes. art for what would have been this actual Victorian era hotel that would have had the facade on main street and then rooms that would have been back built back into that area where there's currently cast member parking. Right. And, and, and maybe even extending a little uh, further than that. Yeah. And, and that's why there's balconies on those upper windows and why you have that big front front porch with all the rocking chairs and all of that. And, um, inside, you know, when it, uh, um, opened, uh, you know, it, it was the uh, Gulf Hospitality House, and, and you had you had a hotel counter, you had uh, uh, chairs and artifacts and decorations and all that as if it was the interior of a, of a hotel, for crying out loud. You know, but, but again, Disney was having um, so much uh, uh, trouble just getting the uh, contemporary and the, the Polynesian uh, up and running that having a, a hotel inside the park itself, um, (laughs) it it was a, it was a challenge, you know? So, uh, they just went in a, a, a different, uh, 
direction. But yeah, that would have been the first in Disney Park uh, hotel, and and it it came close. It came close. Yeah, and they and they've obviously been able to crack the code of being able to do that. Uh, you know, with things like the Grand Californian and and some of the hotels overseas, but. We've also talked. Well, and, and, and now the Star Wars uh, uh, one, right? You're going to be on the Halicon uh, uh, Star Cruiser, and you'll be able to uh, uh, get a special excursion into Batuu. Yeah. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. Sorry. It'll be interesting to see how that works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, and, you know, I, I was just thinking, too, speaking of Dick Nunes, too. I think we've talked in the past about how he wanted to have the New Orleans Hotel in uh, downtown Disney slash Disney Springs right. slash Pressure Island, which is part of the reason why the Empress Lily is there, because it would have tied into this right. you know, New Orleans that, 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 that and the The steamship had stopped at the dock to unload or you know load on passengers or whatever and there there you you'd be in old new orleans yeah yeah i mean it's why the it's why that restaurant looks the way it does because it was supposed to tie into that and again you mentioned and you talk about that hotel as well as the cosmopolitan in your book um and that's what i mean jim there there are so many great stories about what we have what we lost what we almost came to be your book is what it's nearly 200 it's more than 200 pa- i think it's just over yeah. 200 pages and it's it's stories and theming and mysteries and histories and all of these things that you know and and you're such and right just, because because I felt there were so many books out there already that would tell you, you know, uh, what room you should get or what time of year you should go or what discounts you should look at or, you know, what's the differences between the size of the pools at the parks, uh, at the resorts and all that. But what I was interested in is what's the story behind this? Why was this built? Why was this theme chosen? Uh, you know, the Yacht and Beach Club at one time was going to be a French hotel, you know, uh, because it, it was that back entrance into international uh, uh, gateway there and all that. Why did they make these, uh, you know, choices? And then why are some of the things there that we, we see and uh, all of that? And and as I said, nobody can know everything. As, as people have learned on this particular uh, a podcast because I'm looking forward to going to all star movies now, but um, this stuff needs to get out there because it's being forgotten. You know, I, I think even some of the people who are renovating some of the resorts don't have this information or, or don't know where to look for it uh, out there. And so, uh, as I told you before the podcast even began, I wish somebody else had written this book, you know, but. Since nobody else is, I, I figured I should write what little I know. Well, that's the, and, Jim, that's the trick, right? You you write the book. Look, that's why I wrote my first book. I wrote the book that I wanted to read. And you are not just an incredible researcher, but you dig deeper. You talk to the principals and have interviews so that you're able to back up stuff that you, you know, it's not like you're just finding stuff on the Internet. You're actually 
doing the research yourself and it's why you are such a good storyteller and why your books contain stories that you're not going to find anywhere else, not just with the resort book, but with the 20 other books that, that you've written and to make it easy <laughs> to make it easy for people. I, if you go to www.radio.com slash Corkis, K-O-R-K-I-S, that will take you to a list of not one, not two, not three, but every single one of Jim's books and where you can buy them directly on Amazon. And Jim, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because you said so many nice things about me and my book at the very beginning and how you need to speak with your wallet. I'm actually going to go and buy one or more of your books, and I will give them away. I'll do a contest on, uh, maybe I'll either do it with the show or on Instagram or Facebook, and I'll buy and I will give your books away to a listener or multiple listeners. Oh, my, my God. And, and for those of you listening, I have been the beneficiary of, of uh, uh, Lou's uh, generosity and kindness many, many times. And, and speaking of resorts, I've, I've had, oh, it, Lou bought me a wonderful breakfast over at Olivia's Cafe, over at Old Key West, you know, and uh, not only was it a wonderful breakfast, but uh, the conversation was wonderful uh, as well. So the, the Lou that you hear on the podcast, that is the authentic Lou. One, one of one of kindness and, and generosity and uh thank you so much i am so proud and so honored to be able to call you a friend thank you so much and thank you for promoting my books thank you brother we're gonna do this thing. we're gonna do this again in person we're gonna have another meal and get ready man i'm coming i'm get like it or not jim i'm giving you a hug so when i see you next okay. we will record again and uh and you're getting your hug whether you like it or not I, I will like it. I will like it, and I will. And just so long as it's not so long, it becomes uncomfortable. Right, you know, right. it's it, a manly hug. A manly hug. A manly hug. Yes. And last, uh, last uh, question, uh, Jim Corcus. Last question. What is your? What is Jim Corcus's favorite Disney resort? Oh gosh, there, there's so many. The uh, Polynesian, of course, is is a lot of fun. I would say the Wilderness Lodge because because there is just so much there, you know. Um, and and so uh, when I have to take friends or or a group uh, to a resort to explain the theming, Wilderness Lodge is is right there at the top of my my list. But just like with everything Disney, things can change from moment to moment, day, day to day. But but right at this moment, if I had to pick a favorite one. Wilderness Lodge. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see hear, remember, or taste? If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to the trivia question, I have another question for you, which is, do you have a business or a product or a service and are looking to reach a large, loyal, engaged audience of Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fans, theme park and cruise line visitors and enthusiasts? 
because I'm opening up an advertising and sponsorship opportunity here on the podcast, as well as the WDW Radio website, newsletter, and social. I take only a very limited, very select group of partners and sponsors. So if you're interested for more information on how we might be able to work together, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Now, before we get to this week's trivia question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, we were staying at and within the Walt Disney World Resorts, and I wanted you to tell me, what is the name of the sea serpent at Port Orleans French Quarter pool area? First, thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and know that the answer is Scales. Now, what you might not know is how and why Scales got his name, because you might think, well, it's because he has scales, like a dragon or a fish, and that actually has nothing to do with it at all. It actually has to go into the backstory of Port Orleans, as well as a Disney animated feature film about cats. So he was actually named Scales as a tribute to the Sherman Brothers song, Scales and Arpeggios, which appears in the Aristocats film. And you're like, Mangello, I don't get it. What does Aristocats have to do with Port Orleans? I'm going to tell you. The Scat Cats Jazz Club in Port Orleans French Quarter is actually named after Scat Cat from the Aristocats. Scat Cat was originally written when they were creating the film for Louis Armstrong, and actually his name was going to be Satchmo Cat, but Armstrong was sick and unable to voice the character, so that's why he was replaced with Scatman Crothers, and they renamed the cat Scat Cat for him, and they actually wrote a new song for him, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. So that's how he got his name, but you're probably saying, why is there a sea serpent in the Port Orleans pool in the first place? So when Port Orleans first opened in May 1991, they actually released a newspaper, which they published for a number of years, that told the backstory of Scales, and I'll paraphrase. And it basically said that parents had a tough time keeping their kids away from the bayou that surrounded the city that was filled with dangerous creatures like alligators and snakes. So in order to sort of scare their kids away from playing there, they created this legend and tale of this large serpentine creature that lurked beneath the surface of the dark waters waiting to eat little kids, which I'm sure is incredibly effective. They even said that some kids met their demise while wandering in the misty depths of a murky swamp. But because some of the older kids weren't scared by the stories alone, some of the fathers decided to do something that was going to scare them a little more. So in this remote cabin near the bayou, they built this large dragon-like serpent that was made out of wire and bedsheets. They painted it, made it look like this very multicolored, horrendous-looking contraption that took 16 men to operate so it looked like it was really moving. So when the kids came to the bayou, the serpent would come out and screaming and howling and would sort of move and chase all the kids away. That led to the serpent being part of the yearly Mardi Gras parade, which would remind children to stay away from the bayou. And eventually, Scales became a permanent fixture over at Dubloon Lagoon and can still be there today. So whatever story you like, whatever story you want to believe, this goes to show just how detailed everything you see is and some of the amazing storytelling hidden treasures that are found throughout the resorts. 
I just hope you found that as interesting as I do. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a brand new WW Radio pin and keychain and probably a little bonus surprise in there as well. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Kellen Hirsch. So Kellen, use the online form on the site so I have your mailing address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So I'm going to keep this week's simple and straightforward as well, but I'm not going to tell you any hints about what or where this might be, but all you need to do is tell me where in Walt Disney World is the Cape Town Lounge. Now, you have until Sunday, June 27th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, Use the online form there. And this week, you're not only going to play for a pin and keychain, which you can only get by winning the contest, but I'm a man of my word. I am also going to give you a copy of Jim's brand new book here as well. And if you want another chance to win another copy, be sure to follow my Instagram at instagram.com slash lumangelo. I'll do another easy giveaway there. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Don't forget about our question of the week is to tell me your favorite secret or detail from a Walt Disney World Resort. You can come and comment on the post over in our Facebook group in the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. Be part of the community and conversation. Talk not just about this week's show, but anything related to the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe. Speaking of Marvel and Star Wars and Disney, also come join our spoiler support group This week and for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about Loki on Disney+. Plus. You can share your thoughts, your reactions, your theories, as well as not just Loki, but any shows on Disney+, Plus. any movies coming out like Black Widow in the next few weeks. Again, www.radio.com slash spoilers. I'd also love to connect with you on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest. And please also make sure you like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio. And of course, and I haven't been able to say this for a long, long time, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. And as much as I love connecting with you online, I cannot wait to get back to doing events in person. You know, we already have our Marvel Day at Sea cruise for February 5th through the 10th, 2022. I also just announced our inaugural cruise on the Disney Wish June 20th, 2022. That is one of the first sailings on the Disney Wish. You can find out more by visiting www.radio.com slash Marvel Cruise or by going to www.radio.com slash Disney Wish 2022. But as I mentioned when I first announced this cruise, I understand that because it is an inaugural, because it is in the summer, not everybody would be able to join us on that cruise and that I would schedule another cruise for later on that year. And I am excited to announce and reveal our next WW Radio group event because the only thing better than a group cruise on the Disney Wish is a second group cruise on the Disney Wish. You asked, I answered. So I'm excited to announce the WW Radio Very Merry Time Cruise aboard the Disney Wish December 5th, 2022. If you've never been on a very merry time cruise and celebrate the spirit of the season, there is everything from tree lighting to a winter wonderland celebration. There's story time with Mrs. Claus, 
a holiday party on deck, Disney characters in their holiday finest, Santa Claus is on board, there are a ton of themed activities and crafts and themed food, as well as holiday merchandise, there's holiday cheer on Castaway Key, lots of amazing decorations and more, and I would love for you to join us again December 5th, 2022 to learn more and to get a free no obligation quote for this or our june 2022 cruise you can visit www.radio.com slash disney wish 2022 now a couple of things to remember that in addition to everything that disney does on these cruises we also as a group have a lot of special events activities surprises in store And the only way to be able to participate in the group activities is by booking through our partners over at Mouse Fan Travel. Once again, to find out more and submit a cruise quote request form, visit www.radio.com slash DisneyWish2022. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer on a future listener email show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail be heard on the air with a question, a comment, or hello from the parks. You can call 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. And speaking of love and community and family, once again, huge thanks to the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your friendship, the help and support, and I love being able to give back to you each and every month with monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, scavenger hunts, trivia quests, live video group calls. We had a lot of fun on our last group call just a week ago to find out how you can not only help the show for as little as a dollar a month and get exclusive rewards every month. You can visit www.radio.com support. I want to thank some new and longtime members and friends, including Stephanie Rio, Tabitha Cranmer, Sue and Lou Passauer, Oscar Garcia and Maggie Haggard and son. Again, to find out more, visit www.radio.com slash support. And as I'm sure you know, I would not, literally, I would not be here without you. I was an attorney in New Jersey who was able to pursue and share my passion for Disney with you and because of you. And I'd like to help you do the same if you are looking to build your brand, your business, your blog, or looking for a speaker for your event your conference or for your school. You can find out more by visiting loumangelo.com. Find out how I might be able to help you. Speaking of help, huge thanks to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel to get a free new obligation quote for any Disney or other destination on the planet. You can find them over at mousefantravel.com. And finally, and as always, my friend, you are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social or on Facebook or your favorite Facebook group. Be sure and tag me at Lou Mangiello so I can thank you and participate. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It is incredibly helpful. Very much appreciated. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Spoonful of Pod, who said it's the podcast standard. It rings true that quality matters. Lou not only provides exceptional content, but he also produces pristine sound for the podcast. Wow, thank you. WW Radio is the podcast standard for all those wishing to begin their own podcast. I I host the Spoonful of Sugar podcast, and Lou is my top inspiration to start up. We will meet one day, my friend, and you truly are my friend. Thank you, and congratulations on starting your own show. And Perrin504 said it's the best podcast. Lou's knowledge of Disney is only surpassed by his enthusiasm for all things Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel. This podcast is a delight to listen to for all Disney fans, nerds, and trivia buffs. I only wish I had more time to listen to the hundreds of past episodes. Perry, Spoonful of Pod, thank you so much again. Just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash Apple 
to leave a review there. Finally, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope that the show has made your day happier, inspired you maybe to be a little bit better, and to always choose the good. Find the good in everything that you do and everything that you counter, because why not? I promise it will make you happier. Having that positive attitude is so very contagious in a time when I think we need it more than ever. So choose the good, be the good. You will not only feel better, but make others feel better in the process. And if we all do that every day, one person at a time, man, imagine the change and that ripple effect that it could have on a much bigger scale. I love and appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to see you Wednesday night on the live show and or on social. And of course, here again next week. So until next time, see ya. Hello, Lou and Cole. This is Aaron. I am from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Just calling to say thank you for everything you do. Um, Not being able to go to the parks over the past year, you know, like most is hard. Uh, But with the wheels slowly starting to turn, looks like the family is finally going to be able to make the trek here hopefully in the fall to Walt Disney World uh, but just wanted to say thank you for everything you do of course uh, Disney is all about the story and you are now part of that story and you do a great job of providing so many resources to the whole Disney community I just wanted to say again thank you so much for all of you do and always look forward to new episodes have a great day hello Lou longtime listener and big fan David Riley from the heart of Alabama in Chilton County calling if I could voice one attraction in the Magic Kingdom, and it wouldn't be an attraction. It would be the five-minute fireworks announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, soon the skies above Main Street USA will be rife with lights and fantastic sights as we present our nightly fireworks spectacular wishes, a magical gathering of Disney dreams. Love the show, man. Keep up the good work. Hey, Lou and the WDW Radio Nation. My name is Cullen, calling just down the road from the Walt Disney World Resort in Celebration, Florida. Long-time listener, first-time caller. But I just wanted to uh, call in the voicemail and say that I just listened to the latest episode uh, with Mike Grassle, the voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority people mover in the Magic Kingdom, uh, as well as living with the land over in Epcot. And, wow, what an awesome episode that was. You can really tell Mike's enthusiasm for the work that he's done, uh, and it has a really near and dear place to my heart, as it's always been my lifelong dream, still to this day at 27 years old, uh, to be a voice actor for the Walt Disney Company, and particularly in the Disney parks. How great would it be to have your voice kind of a, as a permanent destination in the Disney parks? But whenever you uh, pose the question of what attraction would be your dream attraction to have a voiceover at, for me... The simple answer would be the monorail. Growing up, I heard two different iterations of the monorail narration from the early 90s and 2000s, of course, to the voice that we hear today. Uh, And I'd actually like to give my shot on the air of uh, maybe doing an imitation of the monorail. I'll do uh, two. The the first one that I'll do is from the first iteration of the monorail that I knew growing up, and then I'll do uh, my my shot at uh, the second one that we know today. So first, we'll go with the first one. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse lejano de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, your highway in the sky to the Magic Kingdom. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. And then moving on to the one today that we hear. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail your highway in the sky to the Magic Kingdom. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey 
and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lou, and uh, the entire Walt Disney World Radio Nation for letting me have a shot uh, at giving you a quick audition. I hope you guys have a great day. I love your show, and I love what it's meant to me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hi, Lou. This is Lauren Bernacki calling you. Just wanted to say hi. I've been listening to you since basically COVID started, and I needed an escape to uh, bring me to my favorite place while living in Chicago. And you've helped me so much. In fact, I'm actually moving to Florida next week and starting a job at the Walt Disney World Company. And I just thought if anyone would care, it'd be Lou. Just wanted to give a shout out to the best Disney podcast out there. And thank you for making the magic alive. Well, we can't always be in Florida, but now my dreams are coming true and I can be in the magic every day. So I hope to see you around the park and have a magical day.